because we're not promised a pain-free life. It is hard and it's brutal. And you just got to find moments where you go, I'm just going to get through today. I'm going to do the best that I can. Hey, Thievers, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, This is our fifth episode together. Um, My name is Joel Jackson. I will be your host and compare. Thank you for joining me. That was Sharina Clanton, who is our very special guest today. Uh, Actor, activist, academic, and proud Aboriginal woman of many different language groups and many different talents. So I dribble on a bit at the start with this podcast and I do a big introduction to Sharina inside of it. So I'll save you the time, but please do hang around. This is one of those chats that I was so lucky to have been a part of and Sharina is so honest and raw with her experiences and her own life so that we could be able to take something from it and and put it into ours. It's an unbelievably generous um, gesture and I hope that you not only can take something from it, but can take a step back and, and appreciate how brave she is. All my love to Sharina for this beautiful episode. I thank you. So please enjoy your day. Enjoy whatever you're doing while you're listening to this and take something special from it and put it into yours. That's what we're here for. Good luck, Thievers. Speak soon and enjoy the episode. My guest is a fantastic actress. You may know her as Doreen Anderson from 53 episodes of Wentworth on television. She's also starred on Redfern Now, which earned her the best supporting... Oh, no, yeah, no, which earned her a best supporting nomination at the Actors in 2013. She was also nominated for the Logan for the Logie of the Graham Kennedy Award for Most Outstanding New Talent in 2014. She's been in Last Cab to Darwin. She just rapped on The, la- on the Cry with Glendon Ivan, which was filmed in Glasgow and... Australia. She's not only an actress, but she's an activist and she's an academic. She's an orator with her speech and her time spent on the Q&A in February at the start of this year, some naming it the speech of the year. She's an absolute legend. She's a Wangatha Yamachi Noongar Gitcha woman and I'm really proud to be sitting here with her this morning and her name is Shirina Clanton and she's amazing. How are you, love? Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) You're amazing too, brother. (laughs) I love sitting here and being like, I love making people blush with the introductions. (laughs) It's weird when other people talk about your work. You just go, oh, wow, did I do that? Does it feel like that? Yeah, I never feel like I've ever achieved enough, you know. Like I'm always constantly, never reaching, but always going to the next level. Okay, well, and what next, and what next, and what next? And it's not when I kind of sit in it. Like now, yeah. <laughs> that I really go, oh wow, I did. <laughs> well, I, I found that I found that we're talking with people and yeah. people kind of go. I mean, I chatted with Abby Holmes, who was um, in the inaugural AFL women's team for the Adelaide Crows, who won the grand final, and listed all these things off, and she just thinks like, oh, oh wow, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did do those things. And I mean, you've you've also have you finished studying your honours or you? No, I'm still in the still midst of it. And what are those honours? <laughs> it's a Bachelor of Applied Science in Indigenous Research Methodologies via Curtin University. So um, I've been uh, furiously juggling studies and work <laughs> and contracts <laughs> and 16 hour filming days and various other contracts which keep me busy. Um, and speak, speaking recently, I was in Perth to host with Samantha Harris, Christine Yanu, the yeah. Western Australian Aboriginal uh, Women's Leadership. Conference, so that was just uh, an amalgam of um, 
from grassroots community and uh, corporate business, independent businesses, celebrating the achievements and um, wonderful, uh, phenomenal input that Torres Strait Islander and, and Aboriginal women are contributing to community. Yeah. And my, like I, I met you through your beautiful twin sister, <laughs> Shakira, when we yeah. were studying at NIDA together. And then I think you were, you were filming in Sydney or you were about, or we met at the Logies. No, we met. Uh, we met at like the Foxtel launch. I or don't something remember that. <laughs> when I did Deadline and you you were doing Wentworth and we kind of just broke shoulders and we oh like yeah. And I was like, hey, your sister told me to say hello or something like that. And yeah. then, but uh, no, the influence of both yourself and your sister on on me, and and people like Radway Hick and um and Maine White have just been like phenomenal. Mm. Uh, like I I feel because I growing up in northwestern australia and being surrounded by indigenous communities and culture and knowing that it was there like mm. i tell people that i didn't have galleries to visit like the national gallery of victoria living in a city when i was growing up but we walked down the road and there was forty thousand year old rock art mm-hmm. showing you know emus that were 14 foot tall mm. and that was our gallery you know mm. um so i i feel yours influence very much and i i love you know, to be a part of, and and it's great to get a chance to sit down and, and chat to you too. I mean, <laughs> but so w- when if you were to sit down and what would be your elevator pitch of yourself to somebody with all the different hats that you wear and all the things that you're achieving and, and kind of moving through in the world, like what would be? Do you have one, or do you just does it depend on the situation? Oh, it's so dependent <laughs> upon the situation. Generally, I try. And be really grounded and say human being, <laughs> uh, first and foremost, before I'm anybody else. Um, and I haven't, it depends on, the, it's situational, I think, because it's sometimes how people perceive you to be. Not, not that you're outsourcing validation or approval or permission to be who you are in your authentic self, but sometimes it's how other people approach you and, and how the dynamic is different or has shifted in the dialogue because um, it's an assumption of, hierarchy or elevation or because of you've done this wonderful project that they've related to and can connect with and that's very humbling but I also realise that there's a huge amount of pressure to be something that you're not 24-7 yeah you're not yeah no totally because all those things that I listed like you can't be them all the time time. sometimes you need to be a sister sometimes you need to be a you know a friend or just Someone needs to bid that for you. Like yeah. You can only be 20% of yourself on some days. Well, I know. just fail all the time. <laughs> I learn to <laughs> fail better constantly. That wonderful Samuel Beckett quote, um, fail again, fail, uh, fail, fail again, fail better. And it's just that I think it's like it depends. It depends if I'm spo- speaking to a producer. depends if I'm speaking to a casting director. Um, depends if someone is actually interested in <laughs> what I'm yeah. wanting to do. Yeah. Do you know? Because we've all been in those situations where actually nobody cares. And like you start <laughs> talking and kind of like, oh, I really shouldn't have done <laughs> You start oversharing just to get attention. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I once was pushed down the stairs by my dad. People are like, what? You're like, it's not true. I just was wanted to see if someone was listening. Yeah. Or sometimes I, I actually saw um, a girlfriend of mine I hadn't seen for ages and she was telling me, oh, so what are you doing? And I just listed off all these things that I was doing and then I realised I was like her face didn't exactly change in any of the time <laughs> <laughs> and I later I went why don't I say any of yeah. that <laughs> I've, I've got like two questions on that one of them goes back to what you were saying about the situation or um, 
you know, how or like the naming of yourself or like um, ba- basically the question was like, as actress, mm-hmm. do you find because you are incredibly intelligent and so well spoken and like your use of language just belittles me. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, but um, a- and so like, w- do you find as actress? Because I know as actor, people put me in a box and go, "Oh, yeah, he just says the words." But mm-hmm. do you find that's the first question of that thing? Does like does that? Um, do you find that wearing that actress hat sometimes shuns the academia? Um, and then the second one was related to what you were just talking about about oh, actors always feel like we have to oversell ourselves. Yeah, yeah. For the point of getting interest, do you think yeah. that's a weakness of? just the profession like we we feel like we have to be our own publicity machine i mean i answered the first question the first yeah and i hear you <coughs> the first question i think sometimes i've found myself the more i've stepped into the world of academia the less i have time for nonsense like and and tolerating um sometimes quite demeaning and patronizing behaviors from directors or mm. um sometimes the writing is just so below par or, yeah. or you just go why is why are we doing this again or why have we regressed 20 years back in terms of what stories we're wanting to tell and so that's it propels me more to be invested in my own uh, you know progress and um uh, what i want to achieve eventually in terms of writing and what i want to evidently see and the options and solutions i can uh, suggest in those rooms not all the time, not all the time. Um, As in not being <laughs> able to suggest all the time? Sometimes, yeah. and sometimes, you know, you just have to, the relationship with the director is dif- different and different if you have a partic- particular personal autonomy with them and then different again if you have only just met them and then very different again if they're an international director um, directing you in those self-test rooms and you just go, what the heck? And you, <laughs> you know, and then you're meeting... Um <coughs> It going back to the second or third callback and you go, oh my gosh, it's getting closer. And then you're having a conversation with another actor on the room who's just there for purely a meeting and you know it's for one of the leads, you know? And yeah. you're just going, why am I putting myself through this torture? So it's it, it, there's no guarantee by having, a, having academia behind your belt. It just makes you much more um, critically conscious, that's right. all. And, um, and hopefully aware of... of to be able to then articulate your standpoint and also not tolerate any of the bullying that seems to ca- I'm seeing more and more yeah. happen in the rooms. And then the second one is, I think, yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate to have mentors and guides and and lecturers and people much more wiser than I am that I learn from to not only just humble me but also remind me of my own worth and to go it's okay to promote yourself in terms of as long as it's not uh how would i say unhealthy boasting <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know it, it's not Seems based like upon any up, buddy, please. yes yes I've, we've all had that where people just suddenly start dropping names of who they've been and what university they've been to and who they know and i'm like i don't care like mm. i didn't ask that yeah um and it's different if people are really interested and they actually want to hear your story. And you can hopefully gauge it in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then there's also what I, I lean into now is to trust my own value and trust my own worth and trust that the fact I know what I'm talking about enough yeah. to, to speak up and, and um, make my stakeholdership, essentially. And I'm 
it's okay to be confident in your abilities and it's okay to talk about the work that you've done and what you know because often I've seen <laughs> some of the most insecure people act so confidently and I'm yeah. like, wow. Or sometimes the yeah. most overly confident people acting so confident that you go, do you actually know anything? Yeah. <laughs> But they have to fake it. They make it, you know. Like it's that kind of almost Americanism. And I'll say that because my father's American. They have this incredible. um, It's almost innate in themselves and their way of being and um, and how and how they've been able to grasp the nuance of just speaking freely and unapologetically. Whereas we're a lot more apologetic and tentative, almost English in that regard. Where we're just a bit. Oh no, I'm not really going to say what I'm thinking, but I'll just place it in really nice um, <laughs> terminology or culture in a way that's like a, it's it's kind of a nice nice phraseology for someone to hear, but underneath it there's an undercurrent of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. It's that like I'm going to phrase this in a very beautiful way, and like I've noticed now as I've gotten older, having like just bigger conversations with people because I used yeah. to like I took me a long time to grow up, yeah. but like having those bigger conversations with people and the tendency to kind of stop, think, kind of write it in our own heads and then go, oh, no, I'll put a comma there. Make like, oh, and ma- oh yeah, that looks good. And then we'll say it. You're like, yeah. did you mean that? Like, what? Yeah. And I, th- I think, and what you're saying too, like, you have to be, y- you're so right, you have to be a shareholder in your own business. Mm. And when the business is yourself, whether it be this creative industry that we're in or whether it be anything, because if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe yeah, in you. Yeah. And in the world of this now, the modern age, everything moves so quickly and people are kind of, if it isn't bold or beautiful or flashy, we're not going to pay it any attention. Yeah. Like I think, but in that, y- you've got to find the balance between the belief, the work, actually doing the grit and being able to pull it off, not just going, oh yeah, then closing the door and looking in the mirror going, why did I say yeah. Like, how am I going to pull that off? Yeah. Um, but then mixed in with collaboration, I, I think. Do like the uh, in in terms of that collaboration, I think if you've got a g- good group of friends around you, they're the people that will keep you grounded, but also push you and keep you real to yourself. Who yeah. do you surround yourself with? I'm very selective in my <laughs> in terms of my group of friends and influences. Um, there's been times where people have. Uh, come and gone into my life and I've been grateful for that because each person offers me a different lesson about myself um, <coughs> and I do about them and uh, you know I'm I try and my ground myself in reality as much as possible <laughs> like <laughs> you know <laughs> like I make it a I, I make it conscious effort to not date actors like I just yeah, I right. make it a golden that, was that rule because of prior you kind of dated them and then no, it's no I just <laughs> like the look like <laughs> No, <laughs> never, never have, never will. Never will. There's well, just one, w- enough room for one drama queen, okay? I don't know why okay? I, like I my shirt today. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, well. Did you just get friends zone? Like? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Real easily just say, thanks, buddy. No. Do you need a pat on the shoulder? Do you need no, a I'm all right. No, if we touch, okay. it'll be too much. Just like, just keep, I've got the hint. Moving on. <laughs> I have nothing but love for you, my darling. Um, no, but same, I, same. I, I think I just have people who are really brutally honest with me, who they are about themselves. Don't call it bullshit. Call me up on my own bullshit. Yeah. 
um, because we all do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I and I make a conscious effort to, like, often the people that I'm associated with are a lot older than me. They're a lot of <laughs> kind of older souls, old souls, yeah. like they're yeah. in their spirits. You know, I just I, you know, sometimes I'm almost of being accused of being too serious <laughs> and too in my head and too over intellectual, but. I kind of find great solace and peace around people who are a lot older than me hmm. because I feel comfortable with them because they're comfortable in themselves. Yeah. And I don't have to tr- – they're, they're beyond looking for validation or to please other people. Not all. Not all. Some. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> some are still doing that. Um, and I won't mention whom because it's not the appropriate <laughs> place. Um, but, you know, we, we all know the people who are just – they're so confident in my themselves and who they are that they see straight through any the veneer that you try and present mm. to them. And often at times I find myself uh, very um, grounded in that in that truth and able to be myself. But there's not to say that people around me who are my age, <laughs> and I'm talking like I'm 21, I'm not, I'm 30, you know, who remind me to <laughs> let go and have fun and it's okay, yeah. but I'm... Yeah. I think I've just there's a different evolution that happens when you surround yourself with. I, I'm not any better than anybody else. I'm not saying that I'm wiser or more intelligent or a superior human being. I'm not. Um, I'm just saying who influences me in my life are great mon- mentors, philosophers, educators, and people who I can feel like I can have really in-depth conversations with. Yeah. And I don't find I have that as much with people. One in the same industry, and that's not underestimating those who are in our industry. No, no. Um, I, I very rarely do you s- cross paths with people on the same wavelength, you know? Yeah. You know? And so I think it helps that people kind of sometimes don't understand what I do. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> There's an ambiguous nature about, so what do you, wait, so are you back in Perth? Wait, so are you studying? So, you do, so you're not doing any acting now? So uh, when you, what? What's going on? So you're like, <laughs> what? How? I don't know what you do. I go, I don't eat out, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Like people go, where are you based? I'm like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't have a home. Um. I like I have a home where my family lives, yeah. but yeah, and I think like uh, yes, I couldn't agree with you more about yeah. those those who are older, yes, and that input and um, the, the the weight that they bear on you, not like a bad weight, mm. but the weight that comes with being able to kind of stop you in your tracks and go, do you really mean that? Like, are you? Are you standing behind what you just said? Because yeah. so much of the time, I remember like as a young kid when I first moved to Sydney, um, meet up with friends and do things, and I would feel exhausted yeah. at the end of the day because no one was really listening. It was all like a battle of being able to be heard yeah. or a battle of being able to have the last sentence. Yeah. It wasn't even like great conversations, but it was just like, it was exhausting. And then you sit down and spend time. So when I, while, whilst I was at studying um, Robert Collins, Great, Mr. Robert Collins. Uh, uh, I'll try to get him on here soon to speak, but he's an, he's another actor. Um, he's on Glitch and Clever Man, and he's just an incredible guy. Just did Undertow, but like he's 10 years older than me. No, not ten, like seven years older than me, mm. six years older than me. But like yeah. the weight yeah. of his kind <laughs> Your of. Your voice just dropped then. <laughs> oh, 
man. It's <laughs> it brilliant. Is, it's heaven, like, isn't it? It's, it's so lovely to it's listen to. It's got and this it's energy and spirit about it. It's just very, very, very grounded in yeah. who he is. Yeah, I think the grounded thing is interesting too. And, and not to say like there aren't those people. There are people younger than me yeah. who I go. <sighs> yeah, it's a relief, isn't like it? Like, man, <laughs> can I give me some of that? Yeah. And, and it's lovely to sit and chat to them because my energy is like. Like I'm a million times a minute kind of guy. I slow myself down on this so we can actually like understand me. But yeah, it's not to say that. But I think those people that actually are confident in themselves are aware of their own abilities, are aware of their own beliefs. Mm. That's a really cool thing. Mm. And uh, but also like open to others. Mm. I find those people who are somewhat very confident in their beliefs can be mm. quite rigid and inflexible. And sometimes the false. Have you seen the odd? other end of the spectrum where people have a false modesty or kind of yeah, like yeah. It's, Explain. It's, Explain. it's um it's not believable in a humility oh i should i sh- shouldn't even gauge that but no like their like humility is false, kind of false humility yeah um and you go oh they go no 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 not really not really you're like oh but please continue <laughs> and it's <laughs> just like <laughs> oh they're so humble that you're just going Ah, you don't even talk about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Like, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, like there's a fine line between, I think, I think, and it's so different in our industry. It is because you have to have a particular, you have to row your own boat in a way yep. and you have to believe in yourself enough so that, um, you know, when people sa- can say horrible mean things about who you are and your body and all these kind of ob- mm. di- different objectifications that are not actually true. No. You can still stand tall and firm and, and stand in that in, in your own body and take who you are and without actually feeling overly swayed. You can be swayed by it, but you can't feel like you're going to fall over and cry in a heap. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no one can pick down, you up and move you. Yeah. You know, um, but it's a balance. I mean, I'm I was in LA and... Um, I had the senior vice president of casting literally tell me from across the row, from across her desk, she goes, nobody knows who you are. You are nobody and you are nothing over here. And I just remember just jaw dropping and really thinking to myself, oh, fuck, ouch, that really hurt. Because mm. <laughs> like, I allowed her to speak such power over me as yeah. if I was nobody. You know? Yeah. And then I realized something, and this, this is all through this, this weird kind of paradox and dichotomy of sitting on the lot that, you know, you've got tourists who have paid money to have a tour of the studios. <laughs> walking past you, you have workers walking past you, you have an actor who's, you know, sitting outside of his trailer languid on a t- set of, on his chair and probably get to get some airplane on his phone and not really caring for whoever passes for yeah. them. <laughs> And you're just sitting there in just tears and not, not one person just asked me if I was okay. And yeah. I was just in the, like, mascara running <laughs> down. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm never going to I'm like, I'm giving up. This is, this is horrible. This, this whole industry yeah. is so messed up in its perception of self-worth and value that, that somehow because I didn't have the credit over in the States that I was deemed – uh, useless or mm. nothing or nobody. Now I tell her to go get stuffed. How many years ago was this that? This is Just only like that November last yeah, year. Right, right. And now I think stepping back into another world of 
because I was very, very fragile after that, and and still am after all the picking up of my own self. And yeah, because it's not only just that incident. It incident. It's it's, it's like the it's whole when you're in like Los Angeles, it's a sacrifice. It is right? a sacrifice. A I didn't see my family drive. for a year and a half, and I chose yeah. not to go to back home for Christmas and yeah. instead spend money in flights and accommodation and. You know, I wasn't living a glamorous life in West Hollywood. I was in Anaheim and right, catching yeah, the yeah. Track. Okay, so you <laughs> yeah. that way, far out. And, and the judgment people would say, "Oh, you caught a bus, you caught a train here." I'm like, "Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> train to Central or downtown LA, and then from there I'd Uber pull because it'd be cheaper. Yeah, or I'd just Uber from where I needed to get I to and from, or catch the bus. Yeah, I wasn't and the same as Anaheim, but I catch public like transport that. in Los Angeles. And they're like, I "What? You catch the train? Yeah, or a walk? Like I love it." <laughs> But it's it, like it's yeah. interesting because here that sense of public transport and stuff like everyone there's isn't a judgment about there's that. nothing and like in New York Keanu Reeves gets on the gets on the tube like yeah. gets on the subway yeah. is that hang on is that no tube is tube is, is that the Neo? UK did thing. Neo just yeah. matrix us oh my God. <laughs> take the blue pill <laughs> take the blue pill boy but, but it, yeah. like it, it's there are so many uh, different rules and factors and things like that that yeah. come into that kind of LA drive which which is tough like it's. Yeah. It's really hard, and you can put that into anywhere. Like if someone were to move from Western Australia to come across to Sydney or Melbourne to start a new job, and it then becomes this thing of going, "Well, where'd you go to school?" I mean, I haven't been asked. I I haven't been asked a qu like a question more solidly in the past like year and where a half. Where did you go? Where did you go? Because where I've been doing events that are much more corporate, uh, surrounded oh, by yes. government heads yes, yes. and big business and yeah. things like that. People going, yeah. "So where did you go to school?" I'm like, Karatha uh, Senior High School. But where? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like we had three types it's of bins. It's not Barker College. <laughs> yeah. It's not Aquinas. It's not Wesley. Um, but in saying that, like I went down to Wesley for uh, like a week or something to do a trial, kind of have a go. And I couldn't handle it. I couldn't. At that point in time in my life when I was 16, the bullying and the kind of perspective mm. was way too intense. Mm. Way too intense. Mm. Um, so I... Thankfully, you know, got out and thankfully my parents understood and it was kind of like, yeah, well, do what you want, mate. It's not. Yeah. I think, I mean, what you're speaking about, and you spoke briefly about your dad and I know that you and your sisters are very, very close. I mean, mm. what? Who, who taught you that kind of thing of being, look, if you're thinking this about me and I know that I have to be one thing and my family believes in me as much as I believe in myself, I mean, like, are there many moments that you kind of remember from childhood or even kind of adolescence growing up with your sisters where you guys kind of had those catalyst moments that you go, no, no, that's a node. Like that's a life-changing node in how I perceive myself and, and my belief in myself. I don't think anyone's really un able to unpack the boxes of themselves whilst they're in the midst of it. I think you can mm. do it in the retrospect. But it's really difficult to navigate whilst you're in it to have that consciousness and awareness yeah. when you're a teenager. Like I don't think any teenager is that evolved. <laughs> 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 unless like, let me just write this down. <laughs> I am feeling journal this it. way. No, no, it's great. And I, I really encourage writing and journaling. But um, I mean, I suffered through clinical depression when I was 16. I was diagnosed with that when I was 16 because my father left us. I mean, wow. that was a really difficult time. And I... I, I I find myself sometimes teetering on the verge of it when I've overwhelmed myself. And when I know you personally when I put yourself yeah, into when I okay. overwhelm myself and I'm not looking after my health 
and I, that's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you know. Yeah. Um, and all of those see the roots of that one seed has has been um, all my life. I've just constantly had to navigate the sense of abandonment because my father left when we were we were teenagers and yeah. he wasn't around, and so. My eldest sister became like a provide, like the mum of the household. And my mum was studying full time at the time, yeah. law school. Um, put five of us girls. What's on a single student income through university? Oh while she's <laughs> at UWA, mind you, and UWA is probably, I would say, the top institute for law. And I would say that because it's old money yeah. and it's hard right. to get into. Right. And they're ruthless, just like medicine. It's ruthless. <laughs> yeah. Um, and no matter what, if you s- if you have two percent of a grade that's not there, they'll you'll have to repeat the whole semester. Um, so you know, it wasn't. My mum didn't do it on her own. We had support from family and my aunties, and who really kind of became second mums to us, and so did my uncles. But um, you know, those issues really kind of didn't come to light until I was in my twenties. Right. And I realised they cut started to manifest in the relationships that I had. I the relationship that I had. I was in a five and a half, almost six year relationship, that was ended up being very toxic and very abusive on many many levels, and and so I had to really spend a good three years unpacking that mm. and healing not only from the relationship but reminding like the co- the childhood caught up, <laughs> right. and it does yeah. you know whether or not you find yourself thinking you're a completely you know got together human being and you go oh crap then that memory comes yeah about. you're like oh wait a minute that's right that did oh yeah okay mm, that hurts yes and so i'm um doesn't stop as you get older yeah no I, I, I'm and you I, have to unbox that even more so with therapy i'm a huge fan of therapy really psychologists and psychiatrists whatever you need to help you heal yeah. whatever the t- skills and coping mechanism i don't i'm not a huge fan of getting medication because i remember when i was found myself struggling emotionally physically and this is when i was couldn't afford to pay my rent i was running out of savings i had worked you know, non-stop, but no work was happening for about five, six months. And then I had to move out of my old place and then I was living out of cardboard boxes and getting food parcels and, like, like struggling on the bones of my ass. And I go, I'm just struggling here. And I I went to the doctor and I go, I need to talk to somebody about this. Mm. And the first thing he did was within 10 minutes prescribe me an antidepressant. I said, that's not the medicine that I'm looking for. I'm talking about talking to somebody about the issues that I'm having. And then he, um, what was even worse is then he prescribed me to see a psychologist which was $190 an hour I said yeah you're not listening that's not the <laughs> situation that we're in mate um I can't afford to eat right now let alone go and see someone who's costing an exorbitant amount of money yeah so in terms of navigating who I am now I'm I I owe that a lot to the unpacking that I had as a teenager and also the the lessons that I'd learned throughout that throughout my childhood and, and in my formative teenage years, and I grew up really quickly. Like I grew up to become, I'm very very much, um, I'm a bit of a ho- I am a homemaker, but um, I don't bake well. <laughs> 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 but I I can cook and I can provide and I know how to work hard because yeah. I ever since I was you know when Dad was not around for a good 12, 13 years, um, that I became it became 
um, necessary to find ways to provide for the household. Yeah, and you do things yeah. to keep the home a home. Yeah. And well loved. Yeah. And maintained yeah, and everyone yeah. feels safe. And yeah. You know. So, you know, as a result, I that gave me formidable work ethic and the constant achievement to, to keep doing more and what's next. And I've had to kind of rein back at, at the need to be perfect or to be everything at once, you know. Yes. Like the pressure... Um, and I think everybody has their own demons that they live with. Um, but for me, it was constant validation and approval from my father and to seeking that yeah. and, and, and looking at ways of going, because I'd be a straight-A student. And if I got one B, he's like, well, why didn't you, why did you get one B? Rather than looking at all the A's. Yeah. So and it's the things yeah, that you... Yeah, for the rest of my life, know, I was constantly the trying you to... Hear rather yeah. Than the, all the plethora yes, of goodness. Yes, all the wonderful, fantastic things that you are doing. Yeah. And I'd always be like, well, that's not enough. It's not good enough. And I needed to do more. And so I became um, kind of like fearless in that pursuit of what next, what's next, what's next. Yeah. That kind of gave me a really, it really warped me. It gave me a good sense of uh, pursuit um, and, yep. and fire to, c- to continue that pursuit, whatever that is. The downside is is making sure that you're, you know, my health, I mean, I gained a huge amount of weight, the heaviest I'd ever been. Um, about a year ago, and it's it's uh, it's slowly now only just starting <laughs> to come up, <laughs> and that well was a look huge. Amazing. Oh, thank you, and that was a huge insecurity for me because I was often the smaller one out of my sisters, and you know, um, would it s- could fit into a size eight or five size ten, and yeah. then when I worked in an industry where even at my tiniest, I remember being like 67, 68 kilos, and that's for my height, for, t- for about five foot eight, um, that was thin enough. Yeah. Um, and she said to me, if you don't, if you want to win, if you wanted to make it, you're going to have to lose 20 to 30 pounds. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Are you serious? Yeah. Like and my, my discussion is... Um, people talk about... So that uh, constant insecurity, not only do you deal with your own insecurity, you're dealing with an industry that goes, constantly tells you that you're fat, yeah. constantly tells you that you're not good enough, yeah. constantly tells you that you need to be more, constantly tells you that you need a, this huge, c- big social media following list, constantly tells you, well, if you, the reason why you aren't getting work is because you're fat. Or, you know, you're just, yeah. you're just going... Since when did that have anything to do with talent? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and 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 the, and the thing is too, like, uh, from from what you're saying, I've kind of picked up this thing of you you are extremely hard work, and yeah. and I feel the same. I I feel like we're similar in this way that we're both always seeking the next thing, mm. because we're trying to not like you know seeking perfection, sure, but also seeking achievement yeah. and that approval and knowing that. Um, you're kind of making that stand and doing the next thing and, and yeah. continuing on that energy. Yeah. But then you do it so much that you are living out of boxes. You are living out of, yes. s- my instance, living out of a suitcase. I was yes. driving for seven months from LA to Vegas and back every weekend to play music in clubs to pay the bills. And really? it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd drive up Thursday midnight um, and across the mountains um, to Vegas then play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, drive home Sunday night at midnight and do school Monday and auditions Tuesday and uh, my school Wednesday, be there for meetings and then come back. And I eventually had a car accident. But you you push yourself so much because you've got that pursuit of like, I've got I've to get it. 
Yeah. And the only <laughs> way to get it? it and the only way to get it is to work hard. Yes, and I think I think, you know, we're both very good at tempering our souls. Mm. You know, we're both aware of how we need to slow down and when we need to slow down. Now mm. we mm. are. Mm. We're getting there. You know, I'm not mm. saying I reckon in the next four months I've got work coming up that I'll be like I'll be balls of the wall, like I'll be nuts. Yeah. And then I'll go, I might need to slow down. Like it's yeah. okay. But uh, I think it's really interesting because we're, we're saying, if anyone who's listening, like we are saying a lot of stuff that may seem like the industry is, is hard, but we're only saying these hard things because we we're love honest. what we do so much. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Because we're honest. But no, it's true. But Everyone talks about, all th- there is a glamorous side, but that's 1% of what we s- you see. Mm. People see the red carpets or the events and, you know, the soirees that happen constantly that's all marketing that's all business too yeah um you know you have to bust your ass and sometimes you don't even get in those rooms <laughs> yeah. you just look at but the door going oh wouldn't that be nice thanks yeah thanks yeah. for not inviting me yeah. <laughs> i've got this green pass or only the blue ones i can paint it like i'll, I'll get a st- like like a dance. Oh, so and so is expecting me. No, it's yeah. on the list. No, yeah. clearly that wasn't communicated. Yeah. No, like well, <laughs> we'll turn around, buddy. We'll see you next week. And you're like, who are you? <laughs> like, what are you even doing here? The security guards just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> turn around. So all of that, it's interesting. All of that, that, you know, you're talking about your experiences in LA and I've talked about the years that I've had growing up that's helped to mould and shape who, who we are and we both have, um, is, is really about you know, creating life skills because we're not promised a pain-free life. It is hard and it's brutal. In any any place, in anywhere. Yeah, and you just got to find moments where you go, today's going to – I'm just going to get through today. I'm just going to breathe. I'm Mm. just going to remind myself I'm going to do the best that I can. And if that wasn't enough, it wasn't because I wasn't good enough. It's because – I didn't fit into that mold of what they were looking for. Yeah, do you that's know? A really and and, and it's really think. important about because I had to learn. Um, I was like, oh well, I'm not. What the fuck? Uh, like <laughs> I'm not. Like what the heck happened to my body? And I'm like, you're not in my body. What the, f- what the heck is going on? And like, who's gonna love this? And you know, because I suddenly started getting stretch marks, and I'm just like. I only thought you got stretch marks when you had kids. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's when you gain weight. Really you get them when you grow really quickly, too. Like, I used really to have my hips as a kid growing up. I had them on yeah, my but hips. I haven't and got my gut, so it's different. All right. All right. <laughs> I was just trying to make a movie, but I was like, okay, I'll shut up, man. I'll fucking shut up. And so I, was, I had to really <laughs> learn how to love myself and have a sense of right. self worth and value throughout it all and going, okay, even at my biggest. I've got to learn to fucking love myself. And, and that's starting to go feed into everything now of trust, knowing that I'm enough and yeah. trusting that I'm good enough. And 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 because even when I was tiny, I was fucking on soups and running and like just nonstop trying to be the next thing of what yeah, somebody else wanted that's me that's to be. That's right. You were trying to, you yeah. were even, that, even at that point, you were yeah. trying to be another thing. I, th- yeah. I think. Like I saw some really interesting. Like you don't, uh, you don't take the account of someone else. Yeah, yeah. You don't, don't believe others' perspective of someone. Mm. You know what I mean. Mm. Take mm. them at their face value, but then don't judge them if they are trying to change yeah. from what they were yeah. and what they are. Yeah. There's this element of 
we're always growing. You know, I I came out of a relationship that um, my sisters feel like was the one. Um, oh no! Which is hilarious because at the end of every phone call, it's like, "Have you spoken to um your Hey, oh look, sis, no. I love you a lot." <laughs> but it's true. Like, there's a lot of unfinished um, business there. And anyway, I'm gonna go there. Um, but what happened was like talking to my dad about it all. My dad's a very smart, wise kind of... Uh, smart's a bad word. Wise is better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really detrimental. <laughs> I speak about my old man a lot on this thing, but I think he's a really big influence of mine. But Yeah, all of our fathers are, right? Oh, man, huge, you know? Yeah. Um, and he said to me, like, mate, you, you're always looking at someone like they're a, uh, like a, a, a picture, like a picture on a wall, like a framed photo. He's like, but you always look at yourself in the mirror like you're a developing painting. Mm. right you're never one thing you're always touching up something else or bringing another different light to here or mm. perspective or a different style maybe mm. you know you might be a van gogh one year and now you're going to turn into like okay i'm running out of uh, jackson pollock yeah thank you and i was like ah, styles <laughs> and then like treat other people that way look at other people like they're their own painting and they're developing their style and they're developing their colors and who they are and their perspective mm. not that they're a picture framed on the wall or inside your wallet mm. you can't put people in boxes yeah as much as our industry tries us yeah. to do that's their place that's yeah. the industry we can yeah. put it in brackets and kind of leave it cold on the shelf and know that we as humans are the storytellers and so on that with four minutes left <laughs> you've been a part of some really amazing stories mm-hmm. like Wentworth is one of the most celebrated all-female kind of driving forces that's on tv um you guys have been up for Logies, for Actor Awards, Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts. Right? That was I'm like, was that the right way to say that? But, and that's, has that been sold internationally that you yeah, know it of? Has, yeah. yeah, it has. Yeah. And then Redfern now being a part of all of those stories, The Cry, which is coming up. And not only that, but you've also spoken at the National Gallery of Victoria at a discussion that was presented by none other than the New York Times on an inconvenient racial truth. Out of all the stories and things that you've been a part of, so we can finish on a beautiful note here and no pressure on like nailing the right one and making it sound amazing. <laughs> <coughs> no, I'm kidding. But, you know, what are you most proud of, of what you've contributed? And what, yeah, that's the first question. What I've been able to instill in my own community. Yeah. It's empowerment and empowerment and self-determination, I hope. And the it's all about legacy building. Yeah. And I hope whatever I've been able to make in terms of the imprint and my own evolution as a human being, as an artist, and whatever the creator's purpose is for my life, I don't know. I think that is constantly changing. Um, That legacy continues to evolve and and create waves of change for the next generation who who have been waiting for a very long time to step out of the wings and onto the stage and say there is more than enough room Mm. for one person on the stage at any one time. Yep. Dead set. And now what do you want to contribute? What do you want to further? Everything. Should <laughs> 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 no. just like soup. <laughs> <laughs> put out this huge Phoenix list of rising stuff. Out of the yeah. <laughs> uh, like you asked the we wrong question. <laughs> <laughs> what do I want to contribute? Oh, I I hope um more than anything, that I'm able to help contribute to the conversation and the necessary change that must happen and needs to happen in terms of 
racial politics, social empowerment, economical empowerment for Hmong people, and just a reminder of who they are and their own power, mm. and and that the world is bigger than Australia, yeah. <laughs> um, and that there are so many options, and that when one door closes, another one opens, and it's it's really important to remember who you are and wh- what you want to achieve in terms of it must be bigger than yourself. Um, and I'm hoping that what I contribute when I die um, is something that is generational in its change. Um, and then I hope that it inspires other people to take up the helm and continue to pave the way for the next generation. And uh, really, other than anything, is to put Aboriginal people on the international market and to say, you know what, you can do it, it is achievable and you're phenomenal and you're enough. And that, I think, in and of itself is an, is an empower, empowered standpoint to come from and, and necessary because we're often told that we have to be everything else and than who we are and mm. to trust that our knowledge systems that we know... <laughs> Um, culturally, that that's necessary also to impart, so that we don't lose them. Yeah. So I think, I think hopefully, whatever the legacy is or becomes, it's um, greater than I am. <laughs> well, whatever small con- contribution it is, I don't no, know. No, <laughs> well, it's already been great, and you are great, oh. and the legacy sure will be something that is going to be very, very special. I know that. And I can't wait to see kind of what happens next and and where you go and what you're going to share with us all. So thank you, Serena. There we are, 45 minutes. Thank you. So no, no, it's an absolute, absolute, it's an absolute, like, (laughs) what's his name? Sean Connery. Uh. It's an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, thank you, Serena. No, thank you for talking to us. And there's a lot in there to to listen and absorb and to steal. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Sharina, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Everyone enjoy. No, I'm most welcome. Enjoy your day, everybody. Be a thief. Take what you can and be kind. See you later. See you. See you, Sharina Clanton. How bloody good is that? Thank you, Thievers, for tuning in for Episode 5 of The Good Thief. We'll be seeing you next week for Episode 6. And don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. Let's make this a very special community. Thanks for hanging around.